Welcome to another episode of Straight Talk with Strahan. Hey, it's Odie Strahan, and I'm having one of the most amazing days of my life. Hopefully you are too. Let's get this show started. What's going on? What's going on? Welcome to another episode of Straight Talk with Strahan. Guys, I'm really excited about today's episode. We are all in for a treat. I got, I got a gentleman today that had a stellar high school career locally here at Valley High in Sacramento and then continued that success at every stop on his journey, which we'll get into uh, a little bit more in depth. Uh, he finished his college career at Memphis playing for the legendary coach, John Calipari, and then from there took, took off and had a great uh, professional basketball uh, career overseas. Um, he's now transitioned to his new career and discovered his passion for training and from there has uh, founded Encore Basketball Training, which we'll get into. And he's, he's used that same passion he had on the basketball court into his new endeavor. And I'm just really excited to get into a whole bunch of his backstory and everything he's getting into. Robert Sal, you out there, brother? What's up? What's up? <laughs> How you doing today, man? Man, blessed. Uh, just having a good day today. All right, uh, man. What's up well, Oh, man, I'm ready to go. Really excited. I know a lot of people have been waiting for this episode. And we got a lot of information to get into, a lot of yes, you know, great content. So I want to I get right into it, man. So uh, growing up, man, what, what, uh, what sports did you play growing up? <laughs> uh, I played baseball. Uh, my parents had me playing a little bit of everything. Um, I played football. My real passion was football. I was actually better in football really? than I was at basketball, which a lot of people don't know. <laughs> but... I was a cold quarterback in football and a wide receiver. I was deadly because I was just super athletic. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. You know what? That, once again, I learned something new on every episode, man. We're less than a minute into this episode. and I didn't know you, you played those sports. So let me ask you this. Uh, yeah. When did you actually start taking basketball seriously? At what age? Uh, well, my, here's, here's the thing that pushed me, and I, and I have to pay homage to my father because my father was my coach growing up. Um, and – he, he instilled a lot of confidence in me because when I played for my dad, literally when I would come across half court, he would say, shoot the ball. It was game time for me when I was, when I was with my dad. <laughs> and it really elevated okay. my, yeah. my confidence because I was the only player with that, with that green light. Of course, it was, you know, I'm playing for my dad, but it really helped me uh, later in life with my confidence as far as shooting the basketball. I would Absolutely. say, so I've always, let me get uh, back to the age, though. I forgot to tell you. So I probably started serious competitive basketball at about 10. When I started playing AAU is when it really got crazy for me. Gotcha, gotcha. No, that's a good point that you bring up when it comes to confidence, because I think confidence is, is, is important uh, in life in general, but definitely important in sports and, and in the game of basketball specifically. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, but when you have that at a young age, you know, that's something that I take pride in when it comes to, you know, my son, I have a 13-year-old that plays, and, and that's one thing that he doesn't, uh, he doesn't lack, that's for sure. And so, uh, you know, confidence is, is the difference of that shot going in and going in and out, you know. So, oh, yeah. Uh, the fact that you, you had, a, you know, a dad that was able to instill that and, and, and give you that confidence at an early age, uh, you know, definitely kudos to your dad for, you know, instilling that in you at a very young age. So you, oh, yeah. you've talked about, you've talked about um, actually I've seen this where you've talked about not having access to training when you were growing up and oh. uh, it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't something that was offered where you live. So talk to me about how you actually got better and how you progressed as a player without having that, you know, available to you. Yeah, that's a crazy thing because growing up we didn't have, you know, trainers available and stuff like that. Uh, I, I basically used 24-hour fitness as my, my safe haven. Um, I was in there every single day from Sunday 
you know, to the next Sunday. I played every day. I would probably play five pickup games a day. Uh, and I really, really think that, that helped me with my, um, you know, as far as progression, as far as being able to play with older people. Because, you know, when you're playing pickup at 24, you're playing with everybody. You're playing with guys 40 years old, 30 years old. And I was out there, you know, 13, 14 years old playing with guys 30. Um, it really helped me, you know, as far as being able to have more confidence playing with older people and stuff like that. But I, I owe it all to them guys at 24 Hour Fitness, man. They, they beat me up for many, many years. Uh, and, and a lot of people don't know this. This is a true story. Uh, I had gotten to some trouble in high school and I was out, you know, I, I was a knucklehead growing up and I was on probation because I was on ankle monitor. I, I had went to juvenile hall for messing up. Um, and I was at the gym playing, playing with ankle monitor on. And it was the craziest thing because I had these socks. I used to try to hide it. And I used to wear these big socks to hide these ankle monitors. Everybody knew I, I was on ankle monitor because, you know, they knew what happened and stuff like that. They knew I wasn't a bad kid. I had just got mixed up with the wrong people. Um, but a lot of people counted me out when I, when, I, when I had that, you know, difficulty in my life. And I, and I really used that every day is to block out noise. I think that's a key thing that I want to tell a lot of young kids. Uh, you got to be able to block out noise. You're always going to hear negative stuff. You know, you know, you can look for the positive stuff all the time, but I guarantee you you're going to find a lot more negative than you will positive. You got to be able to block out the noise and get what you have to get done. And, I, and that's what I was able to do at a young age is I really focused on basketball and nothing else. You know, I really just devoted, you know, most of my time watching the game, studying the game, playing the game, talking about the game with my friends. Uh, I surrounded myself around um, friends that played basketball. It was just a part of my life. And I think that really affected me. And it was the reason why I was able to play uh, professionally. Yeah, it sounds like uh, basketball was a, was a positive outlet for you. Uh, and, and like you said, you kind of, uh, you live that life. You know, when they say ball is life, you literally live that and you surround oh. yourself around it. Uh, which is mm -hmm. all, which is awesome, man. Let me let me ask you this. Um, you know, being that you know, when growing up, who were some of the people that, from a basketball perspective? Who were some? Of, I mean, it sounds like your dad's one of them already. But who were who were some of the people from a basketball perspective that motivated you, inspired you? You know, growing up. Well, I, the thing about me is, you can get motivation from a, a many different forms. Uh, me, I use players as motivation, like motivations, like. Um, you know, I'm going to say Wayne Hunter was a great motivator of mine. He was my teammate. You know, we kind of pushed each other. And I will say this, and I'm going to put this out there on record. Me and Wayne were the best duo to ever come together and play in the Sacramento County. And that's a fact. The stats <laughs> prove it. The stats prove it. The winning proves it. Two section titles, a game away from state, back-to-back -back years. And we both were the first two to average 20 together. Uh, and I, you, and like you said, back to who were your motivators? I use Wayne because Wayne was somebody that pushed me every day to get better. And I think it, he feels the same way about myself. We pushed each other, you know, in a, in, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that is in a brother way. This was my brother. He pushed me to get better because I knew if I took a day off, he wasn't, you know. And it wasn't even just about him, but that's the type of stuff. That's the type of stuff that I, that I used growing up and through my life is to find somebody who is chasing the same thing you chasing and, and um, that you could use that to, to really motivate and push you to a diff different level. So, 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Iron sharpens iron. Uh, you know, I was going to actually, we're, we're going to mention Wayne again a little bit here down the podcast actually in a few <laughs> minutes here, but Wayne had, you know, had a great career, had a great career at St. Mary's and, you know, now it's yep. coach, coach Hunter now. So you yes, guys sir. definitely, uh, you know, I could definitely. Demarcus Nelson is another one too. I can use Demarcus, you know, the friend of yeah. mine. Yeah, you know, absolutely. He, and the thing with Demarcus, he came in as a McDonald's All American, so that was enough. I needed. I didn't need. I didn't need anything. No other motivation needed. I'm going against a McDonald's All American. These guys never heard of me. Uh, I mean, people in my city heard of me, but they didn't believe like, oh, Rob could do anything with ball. They just thought I was a local cat, a local player. And then when Demarcus came to town, I really used it as an opportunity. Like, look, it's my time to show people that I can play on the same stage as him. I'm just as good enough a player as he is. And that's another guy I use for motivation as well. Absolutely. And Demarcus came down here for, you know, had a great phenomenal senior year at Sheldon and then, you know, yeah, he got to Duke, Duke and then played overseas, even had, a, you know, a couple quick stints in the NBA as well. Uh, so let's, let's actually get into the high school career. Um, okay. I know, uh, you know, th th you know, you're known for, like you, you mentioned earlier, that great uh, tandem that, with you and Wayne Hunter in the backcourt at Valley. But talk to me about, uh, you know, where you actually started high school and where you were supposed to play at. <laughs> So I originally was at Laguna Creek High School, um, and I actually was going to probably play varsity as a freshman. I mean, I came in with a little buzz at Laguna. Uh, I remember at the time the best player there was, you remember a guy by the name of Joe Kirchhofer? You remember him? Of he course, big man. To, yes, sir. Yes, sir. And see, and that's the funny thing about me is uh, we talk about motivators. I used Joe the minute I got there, I saw a guy as big as Joe was, and he had, he had some hype, you know, because, again, not many guys are going Division One from Sacramento, you know, and I just have to speak the truth. It's just not happening. And Joe was a guy who, the minute I got there, they were like, this guy's the real deal. So I studied him and watched how he worked. You know, I watched him and said, this is, this is the prototype Division One player. I mean, this guy works his butt off. He's huge. You know, he looks different than everybody else. Uh, so I was originally supposed to go to Laguna, but like I said, I had gotten into some trouble and I had got expelled from Laguna, which was very embarrassing at the time. Um, so I think it was just a blessing in disguise that I ended up going to Valley's because I was able to go to another school. Uh, Wayne was at Valley and a few other of my friends was at Valley and it just ended up working out. You know, I ended up going to Valley and the minute I, the minute I was able to go there, I knew in my back of my mind, we were going to have a good team. I was able to play with the players that we had at Valley. Uh, we had a loaded team and I knew, you know, if we could, you know, stay healthy and guys can be eligible as far as grade wise, we would definitely make some noise in the city. And we did that. We backed it up. Every game was tough for us. Um, you know, I think it's been a long time since Valley High School's had buzz like that out of the Sacramento area. We really were a good team. And I really think we could have beat anybody um, that year. We were really, really good. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much it for that. Yeah, absolutely. So talk, talk to me about uh, – I know we already mentioned him a couple times. Uh, talk to me about Wayne Hunter. Talk to me about that chemistry that you two had. Uh, you know, did you guys, at what year, like how many years did you guys play varsity together? Uh, you know, did you guys, did you guys stay, were you guys on, you know, stay on the same track, you know, all, all four years while, while at Valley? And just well, see, a lot of people don't know that Wayne and I played AAU together. We played on the Blue Demons, you know, Grove. Uh, we played growing up our whole, pretty much life. So from the age of 13 to high school, we were playing together and traveling. And, you know, I knew Wayne's game. And Wayne knew me very well. I mean, we got, we became very close through travel ball and just, you know, through basketball. And so I knew the rapport Wayne had. I knew Wayne was a dog. You know, I didn't have to see that and find out at Valley. I knew that before, you know, Wayne was always been a dog. So 
um, it just ended up working out that I was able to go to Valley and play with Wayne and play with the other guys we had there and, and, and form that team, you know. Um, so I think it was, like I said, it was a blessing in disguise. I was at Laguna and, you know, everything happens for a reason. I would not take none of it back uh, because, it, you know, it wouldn't lead to the story today. Absolutely. So how many years did you two actually play uh, on the varsity team together? Uh, we played varsity at Valley for two years, and we won okay. two section titles. And we went the game away from state. We lost to Oakland Tech, and then we lost to, uh, I think it was Hayward. Um, and they had two great players today. Leon Poe and Quentin Thomas was with the Oakland, Oakland Tech team. And Diamond Simpson was on that second-year team, the Hayward team. And, I mean, those guys, you know, those guys, one went NBA, the other guy – uh, Diamond played NBA as well, and he played. He's, he's still playing. He has a long basketball career, but you know we lost to some dogs. Those were those were great teams that we encountered, and you know I think uh, if if I can do it again, because I didn't play those both those games, I did not play my best. If I can go back in time and do it again, that would probably be the only thing that I would change is those those two games. I can go back and rewrite that. <laughs> No, for sure. Leon Poe was one of the top players. Obviously, had a great career at uh, at, at Cal, and then went oh, on yeah. to play NBA. You know, got a chip, got a chip, I believe, with the Celtics as well. So yeah, yeah, I mean, you I mean, obviously you you uh, you you guys play some good competition. What would you say? Um, I mean, I could tell that that might as you just mentioned that's one thing you wish you could take back. What would you say is that is the number one highlight? You know, of your time playing at Valley. Uh, I mean, my number one highlight. Ooh, I I know my teammates at Valley would tell you that one game I had forty points. I probably took 10 shots. I think it was like 40 points on 10 shots. And it was just so efficient. I think I was like 10 for 10. Uh, and I remember my friend Darren, D-Wood, shout out to D-Wood. D-Wood, D-Wood was like, man, I've never seen somebody be so efficient, have 40 points. Like, it didn't even feel like 40. It was just, I just didn't miss a shot that game. And I think it was a tournament. Uh, I can't remember where we was. We might've been in Fresno or something, but I was cooking that tournament. I got tournament MVP. Uh, but it was just, it was just something for me that, you know, again, like I, I wasn't the, the super flashy. I'm not going to give you all these handles and shake and bake you and ooh and ah you. I was an efficient, high efficient player. You know, I'm, I, I want to shoot a high percentage from the field. I want to shoot a high percentage from the three. And that's just how I played. Gotcha, man. No, hey, and there's nothing wrong with that. Hey, 40 points on 10 shots. That's uh, <laughs> got some free throws in there at the AA. Oh, yeah. You're not going to have too many games like that. I'll tell you that, much. Well, oh, talk nah, to me nah. about this, man. Uh, so, so talk to me about the recruitment process during your high school years. You know, when did you start getting heavily recruited? Uh, you know, uh, were there initially were there some initial schools that, you know, that were high on your list? Uh, you know, initially when, they, when the initial recruitment started. So actually, so yeah. many questions. that. So first and foremost, when did the recruitment start coming in for you? When I was at Valley, I had Arizona coming to the gym. It was probably one of the – I remember this day like it was yesterday. Uh, we had Arizona um, assistant coach coming to the gym. He was there for me. And uh, I remember coach was like, hey, we got Arizona in here, y'all. Be, you know, because, again, in Sacramento, you're not getting schools coming to see guys out here. And I just it's – just, it's just honest. And it's just – we'll get into that in a little bit about why Sacramento basketball has always been underrated and, and, and looked down upon and, you know – you know, how I'm here to try to change that, you know. But, again, it started with Arizona, and then, you know, we started heating up. But then once schools found out how bad my grades was, it was over. <laughs> I had straight Fs one semester. Uh, when basketball season wasn't in, wasn't in, I had straight Fs. And, and you can't hide none of this stuff. So a school sees me, a guy this talented, 
looks at my grades and sees all Fs in a A and PE. <laughs> I mean, yeah. what, what, what does he tell you? He, a red flag comes up, which is gotcha. understandable. Now, as a grown man, I completely understand that. As a, as a high school guy, I didn't understand that because I thought yeah. my talent would supersede all that. It didn't matter, you know? Gotcha. And it didn't, it did matter. It was really, really, and I'm humble enough to talk about it today because, you know, it doesn't affect me because I have a, I have my degree from the University of Memphis, but it, you know, this is a part of my story. I was very, very defiant when it came to school. Um, I just didn't agree with school. I didn't like school and I didn't put any effort into it until I got to college until I passed the SATs is when I really, really took it serious. Um, yeah, it, like you alluded to, uh, so right now, you know, Elk Grove, Sacramento, we're a little bit more fortunate, a little blessed. We've had a lot of talent come out of here. So, you know, a lot of yep. schools are recognizing us. That's why every, every year you're seeing more and more kids come yes. out of this area. No Back question. when you were playing, you're, you're correct. We were definitely uh, underrated. Uh, you know, we weren't even on the map. We, we didn't have social media the way we had it now. Nope. So you, you didn't see all the mixtapes. The, the recruitment process was completely different than what it is now. So you, you are right. For someone, uh, you know, to, you know, have Arizona come into a building, uh, it, it, you know, at, at Valley, you know, was something that was rare, you know. <laughs> I mean, you didn't have that. So, so let, let's talk about this then. So you finish at Valley. Um, yep. what, what was the initial plan? You know, what was the initial school that you committed to? Uh, this, cause this is when, you know, we got to give the audience, you know, fair warning. This is when the, this, the story you know, <laughs> gets rocky. This is when the straight line stops here. So, so, so where was the initial, what was the initial plan after Valley? So let's, let's start right there. So after Valley, where did you okay, initially so commit to, you know, what was the next step for you? So the initial plan after Valley, I got introduced to the university of Washington. They fell in love with me. Uh, they wanted me. You know, they wanted me to attend that school and play for Coach Romar, Lorenzo Romar. Uh, I was in love with them. Um, so we need to come up with a plan B. When, in life, when you don't meet your first goal, you need to go to plan B. You need to have, have something else. So my next option was, instead of graduating from Valley, I could go to prep school and reclassify. I had a long talk with my parents about doing this. My parents was like, hell, if you could do anything to get eligible, do it. <laughs> you know, if you could do anything to get, get good grades and go to college, do it. And I thank my parents to this day. They never stopped me from, from attacking any dream I had. So eventually I got in touch with Lorenberg Prep, which was one of the greatest basketball prep schools. Probably we had the greatest team ever. They should make a movie about the team we had. <laughs> um, yeah, you guys, you guys went 40-0, right? That was the year you yeah, guys went 40-0. We went 40-0. We didn't lose a game. Every game we probably won by 40 or 50 points. We beat a team in Canada by 100. It's been documented. Uh, <laughs> we beat them by 100. Yeah, it was a fun. We beat them like 142-42. It was funny. It was like a, it was a crazy game because it was packed. Um, but I went to prep school. I went to Lorenberg Prep. Finally got eligible. I was going to the University of Washington. We had a top five recruiting class led by Spencer Haas. You remember Spencer Haas, NBA, used to play for Sacramento Kings. Um, Absolutely. Big Justin, man with a nice little touch. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Justin Dittman, John Brockman, myself. I mean, our class was crazy. I, I was super, super excited to play for this team. Um, and here comes when the bad news comes. You want me to tell you the bad news or you want me to – you want me to – you can you go ahead and get, ask get, a question. Get, no, you get, right, you, you get right into it. You get right into it. So I finally get eligible. The end of the year comes. We win 40-0, Lorenberg, and I'm ready to go to college. I get a call from my coach, uh, says that we have a problem. The NCAA has decided to red flag my grades. 
I went from having a low GPA to, you know, like a 2.9, 2.8. I went from failing to passing, so a red flag. Um, so they wanted me to provide documents from the year before, which is, I mean, how do you, what kid keeps paperwork from documents and, and like, hey, let me just keep this, uh, this essay I wrote from in January from the year before, just in case the NCAA decides to red flag me and say, you can't play because we don't think this is you. So that's what happened to me. The NCAA decided to red flag me. We tried to find as much documents as we could. I probably was able to scrap up maybe three, four assignments. That's it. So ultimately, the NCAA decided not to accept my grades from Lorenberg Prep. That's what happened to me, why I did not go to University of Washington. So gotcha. I will continue. Go ahead. Go, go ahead. ahead, go yeah. ahead. Yeah. No, no, I was going to say, so, so from there, uh, well, here, let, let's stop here because this part I want to get into. So <laughs> you got to take me through the mindset of this. I mean, you know, you, you know, as, as a grown man now, it's a little bit different. You know, you're talking about it now, what, 18, 19 year old at the time. You know, yeah. how did that feel? I mean, like I said, you're a young kid still at that point, you know, all due respect. You know, you know you're still a young kid. Uh, you know, at that point, did you feel deflated? I mean, was there any point where you just felt like, you know, it, is this just in the cards for me? Did you ever feel like quitting at that point? Well, that's what it goes back to what I said originally what makes you different what and what made me different was it, it didn't make me feel down and motivated me it wanted me to go harder it wanted me to be better it wanted me to say okay you don't want to take my grades i'm going to come back and i'm going to show you and i'm going to do everything i need to do by the book don't cut any corners and i'm going to do it right and that's what i decided to do and i've, I've been that way my whole life with anything I've, I've i've tried to do in my life i look at it with that perspective that you know, I love, I love to be counted out. I'm one of those guys. I love to be the underdog. That's the story of my life. I love that. You know, that's makes me stand tall is when you count me out. You know, yeah, and, that's yeah, I, I, and I was gonna say, I think, I, I think we, you and I have that in common, man. Cause I, I always tell people I built, uh, I built 75% of my success out of spite to prove people wrong. You know, <laughs> I, I, no, I, hey, I really wrong with that, man. Whatever hey. fuels you, man. And if yeah, somebody can say you're a bad, they can't say you're a bad person by using negative thoughts and using it and turning them to positive for your own self, your own self gratification. There's nothing wrong with that. And that's really how I look at anything negative towards me. I, I use that as fuel and ammunition and I don't say anything. I put my head down, I put my hard hat on and I, and I, and I find a way and I get it done. And that's all I, that's how I live by it. And I'm gonna teach that to my kids and that's it. So let me ask you this, after Lorenberg, so after you got red flag, what was the next step for you? Where was the, where was the next stop on this, uh, you know, Robert Sally journey? What, one more thing before I go yeah. into that, I just have yeah. to tell Coach Chaney, Coach Chris Chaney, he was our coach at Lorenberg Prep. He was my coach at Patterson, where we're about to go into my next school. He, he is so important in my development and making me a dog. See, there's this thing that guys like to call themselves dogs. Ain't many of them. You could say you was a dog, yeah. but you wasn't no dog, man. <laughs> he turned yeah, me into a dog. And that's, and that's waking up at five in the morning. We have him practice in a cold gym, fighting, fist fights in practice at, at Lorenberg. I mean, it, it, it was really that raw. But what it did was made 13 Division I players. Every single guy on that team got a Division I scholarship at a mid-major, high-major school. Every single player. Wow. It was like a boot camp for basketball heavy. It was the best thing I needed. I went from being a, a, a subpar player to feeling like one of the best players in the nation when I left there. Wow. Hey, man, that speaks for itself. You're saying 13 kids with D1 schools. Uh, that speaks for itself. Shout out to so Chris Shane. I talked to you. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Shout out to Coach. Uh, talk to me about uh, the Patterson School in, in NC. 
Okay, so after I didn't get eligible, you got to have another plan. What do you do? Do you give up or do you find another way? So I got a call from Chris Chaney. He says, you know what, Rob? Last year was your senior year. You could have a prep year. You're going to be a little older than everybody, but what do you want to do? Do you want to go to college or do you want to go plan B and go to junior college? What do you think I did? I took, I, hey, coach, I could play for you another year of this, of this boot camp. I can turn myself into an even better player and get another year. It was an easy choice. I went to Patterson, which is also in North Carolina prep school. It's in uh, Lenore, North Carolina. I don't know if they still have a school, but we had, I'm going to throw some names out there, guys that were there in attendance, Tony Crocker. Do you remember uh, jo Jordan Hill played for the Lakers? Yeah. Played for Arizona. Yeah, big man. I mean, yeah. we had. Yeah. I mean, we had so many guys go Division One and play professionally, and it's all because of Chris Cheney and his program. Um, so again, that's why I wanted to show love to Co Coach Cheney. But again, I went. So I went to Patterson, played there. Uh, we had another spectacular year. We probably lost one or two games that year, which was a shocker because I come from 40 years. 40 and 0 the year before that. So losing the game was really depressing uh, to lose one game. Uh, coach, coach killed us. That's, that's when he started having us practice at 5 in the morning. Like, literally, the crazy part about prep school was our gym was on campus. So we would literally wake up in the morning and walk to the gym. It would be 5 in the morning. Hey, we got practice. Y'all had, had a terrible practice. Let's practice tomorrow at 5 a.m. Be there. And literally, you had to be there. So, I, I mean, you're there at 445. The gym's freezing cold. Let's get it. You got these dogs in the gym. We going hard. We playing. Some guys grumpy. They want to fight. He going to let you fight. <laughs> he didn't stop that. And you know what? I'm all for that coach that once it, it builds your team. Everybody, I mean, this is basketball, man. We not making babies out here, man. We making men. And that's, that's, that was his mindset, you know? So I went to Patterson, played. Uh, let's get into the juicy stuff. <laughs> finally, got, finally got eligible. Uh, I end up switching my schools. I end up committing to University of Nebraska. Um, I fell in love with University of Nebraska. I fell in love with the coach there. I fell in love with the assistant coaches. I fell in love with Nebraska. I was all in. I probably was the biggest recruit to go to Nebraska. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was big time. They were expecting big things out of me. And that's another reason why I wanted to go there. I wanted to be that guy to change a program. Um, so I was going to Nebraska, finally got eligible. Um, here comes the NCAA again. <laughs> oh, man. They come oh, again. Man. But this time it's worse. So I actually go to Nebraska. I moved from Sacramento. I went from prep school. I went back home. I moved, to Sa I moved from Sacramento to Nebraska. Got all my stuff out there. Uh, I found an apartment out there. I was, I was right down the street from, from campus. I was loving life, getting ready for the season. We were doing like, you know, summer league practices. You can't, I couldn't really do stuff because I wasn't fully eligible yet. So I kind of had to like do things on the under, work out by myself, do this, do this until I was eligible. I even had class. They actually let me start taking classes there, which is, which is pretty crazy too. Um, so long story short, I'm there. The NCAA doesn't take my classes again. They say, we are not going to take your classes. This time I had even more evidence because I learned my lesson from the first time. Remember how I said that? I had more Absolutely, evidence. absolutely. <laughs> I had schoolwork. Yeah. I had tests. I had everything I had for some reason. Actually, you know what? That wasn't even the reason why I couldn't play. The reason why I was ineligible 
it goes back to me saying, I took that class. Nebraska advisor, the guy who does the scheduling for classes, he enrolled me in class on accident before I was eligible. So what happened was since he enrolled me, made me ineligible when he enrolled me and signed me up for that class and I started taking that class. We didn't find that out till three months after I was in Nebraska. So I could not play there. It was devastating for the coach. Picture your coach, you're the coach, you need this program. This is how you feed your family, it's your job. Your biggest recruit is in town. He finally comes to the school. He doesn't get eligible ever. You have him there three months and then you find out they won't make him eligible. He has to leave. So that's what happened to me. So let me let me get this let me get this straight, Rob. So you 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 move out to Nebraska. You mm-hmm. obviously you're doing what you can uh, based off you know your eligibility rules at the time. You know putting work right. in, uh, uh, you know undercover this and that. You know maximizing what you can do. Right. Uh, right. And, and, and uh, as as far as you know, uh, you're just preparing for the season. You're preparing. You know obviously going to school. Get your you, uh, finally after this you know scenic route an opportunity to play D1 basketball. And all oh, of a sudden because yeah. an advisor enrolled you in a class. Yes. That made you ineligible. Yes, oh, it made me nuts. And that advisor got his head chewed off. It was it was crazy because I I, I actually kind of went off him as well. And if he, if this ever comes around to him, I just I definitely want to apologize now that we're you know you can look back and reflect on things in life. But everybody can understand emotionally. I was you know this was a time in my life I was really beat up because uh this, it's like come on man I'm here I'm ready my my dream is I want to go to the NBA this is my dream I'm trying to play basketball. You know, this, I worked my whole life for this. Let me get eligible. Come on, what more do I need to do? I've done everything. And, you know, he apologized to me that he had made the mistake. He had, didn't know he enrolled me and, you know, didn't know it was going to, you know, make me ineligible. So basically made me ineligible for that year. You know what I mean? For that season. Um, so, I, so, I so, yeah, let me ask you this. Yeah, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead, go ahead. No, I was going to say, so at what point, because, um, <clears throat> You know, your next step was coming back home to California. But at, at what point did you decide, listen, you know, I'm not going to stay here and wait a year and that you, you know, you're going to, you know, head back and, you know, well, uh, explore your new option? Well, this is how loyal I was to Nebraska. We came up with a plan and I, I, it's all going to circle, come to full circle about these plans at the end of this. <laughs> but we came up with the plan and we decided for me to go to, um, to junior college. Uh, which was like, okay, I'll go to junior college. I'll go play there for a year and get eligible. You know, uh, I'll go play there for two years and get eligible. So I decided to pick the best junior college possible. I, I had relations with, um, um, at, at, at the time, with the coach at uh, San Francisco City College, Coach Justin, which is, this guy was like literally the youngest coach I've ever had in my life. He was like, he was literally like 30 years old coaching me at the time. And I, it was just hard for me to, you know, at first to kind of conform and kind of commit to the team as far as like, I'm really going to listen to you for this whole year about basketball, this, 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 you know, but end up, <laughs> ended up working out perfectly because we have a great relationship. Uh, but that's pretty much happened. We came up with a plan. I went to University of Nebraska, kind of stuck with me. I remained committed to them, and I decided to go to San Francisco City College. Um, San Francisco City College kind of wasn't on the map, but you know, it was close to home. I'm from Sacramento, so it was only an hour away. They had a great program through football, and I, I liked the coach there, so I decided to go there. Talk to me about this. Coming back to California, obviously, the, the good part about it, taking the positives of it, is the fact you're, you're close to home, as you mentioned. California yep. is not bad, of course. <laughs> you came oh, back yeah. to California. But, <laughs> but uh, 
but was it humbling for you after all this, the fact that you got, you were highly coveted, you were recruited by so many top programs, you know, was it humbling for you, you know, to look back and say, Hey, after all this, I'm here playing, you know, JC basketball, junior college basketball. Was that a, what, you know, was that a humbling experience for you? Or, or did you take it as it was just a required step of the process? Uh, it was humbling. It was humbling because my journey was like already going haywire, you know, just to, I haven't even started, <laughs> you know, it was definitely humbling. Uh, but, City College was the perfect destination for me. I ended up graduating in a year and a half when really most people go to junior colleges for two. I was, I was able to uh, come in there and really, it was really like a year because I had got there from Nebraska kind of like in the middle, you know, while they were playing. Um, so it was like, I basically had to watch them play a season and, you know, kind of sit out as well because I wasn't playing with them. I had to sit out and wait for my turn to play the next following season with them. Um, but it was definitely humbling. And again, it was just, you know, I was, I was so, you know, focused and driven on getting to college. I wasn't worried about anything else. I, I knew I could play at that level and I, and I wanted to get there. And this is just a destination that I would have to stop at to get there. Um, City College worked out. No, for sure. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I was going to say for sure. It, it showed your resilience, obviously, because I'd probably say 95% of people would probably quit at this point. Uh, I honestly oh, yeah. think 95% of people would have quit or, 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 or would have went a different path, you know? Right. Uh, right. I, I don't think, I mean, it, it, I mean, at this point, it really shows how, you know, how bad you wanted it. Um, and like I said, just the resilience that you had. Now that year, you know, at uh, San Francisco, you know, you were the, you know, California junior college player of the year. So you had a, yep. you had a phenomenal season over there. Yep. Uh, and so even though it wasn't the route that you wanted, you, you definitely, the one thing that I like is every, every, every step, every, every stop that you took, you still yep. showed why you were being coveted. I mean, you put up right. great numbers, even at the prep school, at, at, the, at the JC level. So yeah. uh, junior college ends, you guys had, you know, you had a great season there at San Francisco. Uh, yep. Talk to me about, you know, when the recruitment, when your recruitment opens back up, I know you, you know, the original plan was to go back to Nebraska, talk, yep. picking you up from there. So talk to me about that after that one season at, at San Francisco. So I got a call. Uh, I was player of the year of uh, California, which I, um, I'm really thankful for that award when I had got it. Um, I, I thought that year I showed my versatility. I played point guard that year. Uh, we all know my, my, my talent and my, my, my specialty. I'm an assassin. I'm a shooter. Um, you're not, you know, handling the ball is something that people think that I can't do, but I do it comfortably. You know, I'm not going to give you tons of moves, but again, I don't turn the ball over. I'm very efficient with that. I think that year showed my, my dominance that I could do everything. I was playing point. I was playing the five. <laughs> I was playing the four. I was playing the three. I was doing everything that we needed to win. And I, I, I wouldn't take back that year at City College for nothing because it was a fun, great year to build with guys. Uh, and we really had swagger, man. We, we knew, like, uh, there's a guy by the name of Justin Brownlee. I don't know if you heard of him. He's having a great pro career as well. He was uh, – he played at uh, St. John's University, another great player that was with me at um, San Francisco City College. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade, it, trade it for the world. But let's get back into the juicy stuff again. So I finally get eligible because <laughs> <laughs> this story doesn't never stop. So I finally get eligible. I'm player of the year. I get a call from Coach Doc Sadler, which was the coach at University of Nebraska at the time. He says, Rob, it's time. You ready, man? He's like, I finally get you. You, you know, you're eligible. You can come to Nebraska or, or – he calls me. You know what? Let me go back on that. He calls me up. He doesn't tell me good news, but he starts off with good news. Rob, you had a wonderful year. You know, you're eligible. I, you know, you're loyal. You stuck with your commitment. You're here. You're going to Nebraska. 
You know, we, we all appreciate you sticking with us because most people don't stick to their schools. They usually just switch. Okay, if I'm going to go to you one year and I'm going to go do another, you know, go back to school or something, I'm not going to go back to that school. I'm going to open up my options and see if I can go somewhere else. I never even opened it up for no school. I could have had any school come in the gym and I wouldn't, I would have turned them down to go to Nebraska. So Coach Sadler gets me on the phone. He says, Rob, I want to talk to you. Congratulations on player of the year. You've had a crazy journey. I have to tell you some news. Since the fact that the guy enrolled me in that class, it had did something where I could not go to Nebraska. It had did something where if I went there, I would have to sit out. Even after having a crazy junior college year and being player of the year and all, it was more bad news. It was like wow. I had great, got great news and then he, let me punch you in the chest and bring you back down to earth. So I, ha I could not go to Nebraska. Uh, that was very devastating for me at the time. That, that was very, like, I really had my mind and my heart set on going to Nebraska. So once I, was, once, once I wasn't able to go to Nebraska or, you know, I realized I wasn't going to go there, we opened up the recruitment. This is something that I, I wasn't used to, so I didn't know what was going to happen. This is when it got really crazy. So when we opened up the recruitment, I guess people had heard a lot about me. <laughs> I mean, I, I was getting calls from everybody. I got scholarship offered from Washington, Nebraska, Maryland, Miami, St. John's, Kansas, Seton Hall, Baylor, Cincinnati, Kentucky, Oregon State, Memphis. I got all these scholarship offers when I I've never, I'm not even used to it, you know? So it was like foreign for me. It was like, wow, all these schools want me to go there, <laughs> you know? Um, the cool thing about me was since I did the schoolwork that I told you in a year, I was going to be an incoming sophomore. Most people that come from junior college are incoming juniors. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So I was going to be an incoming sophomore. So schools said, okay, we get three years with this guy. We're going to treat this guy like a, like a, like a top recruit because we get three years with him and he's older. So we get a guy who's older and he's younger. <laughs> it kind of was like, you know, we want this guy. We need this guy in our program. So. Go ahead. So you know, what was it about? So talk to me about what, what were the top schools? So you have all these top schools, like you named pretty yeah. much a who's who, who's who in college basketball. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, what was it about, you know, eventually Memphis that got, what was it about them? Cause you just named the likes of Kansas and all these other top schools, you know, Memphis yeah. uh, with the legendary coach, John, Paul, John Calipari, of course, I can yeah. see, you know, why that could be, a, you know, a major factor, but these other schools have, you know, Roy Williams, top coaches as well. Oh, yeah. So what, what, so yeah. what was it specifically about Memphis? Well, I had my two guys, you know, it all goes back to Lorenberg. I played with a guy by the name of Antonio Anderson um, and Robert Dozier. Right now they have the most wins out of any two player in Memphis school history. Uh, these were two great good friends of mine that we played together at Lorenberg. They were at Memphis. Memphis was coming off that national championship game where they lost the heartbreaker that they should have won. Um, I got a phone call from my guys like, hey, man, they called me and said, hey, Rob, we heard you're not going to Nebraska. You got to come to Memphis. <laughs> they, they, were, they, they, they were like working like agents. They was like, hey, you got to come to Memphis, man. You got to come here. Um, so Memphis was actually going to be like my second recruitment visit. You know how you take your visits to schools. You go uh, take visits. My first visit, I went to the University of Louisville yeah. to go visit Coach Rick Pitino, which was a great, was a great visit. I almost committed to Louisville. Um, so that was really my first choice. Uh, when I went to Memphis, Here's what got me. Coach Cal put me in the FedEx form. 
FedEx Forum is, seats about 20,000. We're in the FedEx Forum. He puts the big jumbotron up. He, he puts some highlights up. He's looking, <laughs> hey, this is like something from he got, hey, this is like something from he got game or something, man. Yeah, game. <laughs> you remember <Yeah>. that movie? <laughs> yeah. Coach yeah, Cal, look, yeah. He looked. He looked me in the eyes and said, hey, Rob, what you want to do, man? <laughs> He's like, well, you want to play here every day or you want to go somewhere else? <laughs> I looked at him. Hey, I looked at him. It's a true story. I said, I'm coming, coach. I got to be here. This is, I mean, just the electricity, just to be in front of that crowd every game and feel like you're in the NBA, in college. I mean, this is, this is what it, this is what it was, was it about. And that's why I went to Memphis. And, uh, you know, Memphis was, the, I mean, to this day, Memphis fans are are crazy. They're the best fans you're gonna find. They're the most loyal fans. I mean, I'm old now, man. They still hit me up. What's up, Rob? They still cheer me on, whatever I'm doing. And nothing, nothing but much love to the uh, University of Memphis fans, man. Well, you couldn't go wrong with there. You, you got Rick Pitino, John Calipari. I mean, from a basketball perspective, obviously, Rick, you know, Pitino, some, you know, some legal issues. But I'm saying from a ba basketball perspective, even when it comes to, uh, you know, uh, you, right now, it's like those were two of the top coaches. I mean, you're, you're right. going to get to play for one of the two of the top coaches no, no matter what. So let's get into this. I know we had talked prior to, uh, to today about John Calipari. Talk to me about him, man. Talk to me about, you know, this legendary coach that, you know, who's coached so many. I mean, let's think about it. his list of players, you know, John Wall, Marcus Cousins, <laughs> I mean, Bledsoe. I mean, we could go uh, uh, Jamal Murray. I mean, he, I mean, it's, it's who's who. It's who's who. So talk to me about, uh, you know, being able to play for, you know, arguably one of the best college coaches of all time, uh, you know, the good and indifferent. Talk to me about that experience, you know, playing for him for two years. Uh hey, quick break here. Sorry to interrupt the podcast. We'll get you right back to it. We just want to spend a few seconds to talk about Panda Commission. Panda Commission is a digital marketing agency that helps online businesses increase profits by designing high converting sales funnels. If you need more leads and sales for your business, you need to be intentional about telling stories that convert customers into buyers. From logo design and branding to sales funnel design and funnel optimization, Panda Commission is a one-stop shop for building your online empire. So go check it out at pandacommission.com and be sure to tell them that Strahan sent you. Well, you know what? I actually played for Coach Cal for one year. That second year is when he left for Kentucky. Oh, okay. Stand corrected. Yeah, no. In that second year, I played for uh, Coach Josh Pastner, which is at Georgia Tech right now. He's another good one. Uh, but that playing for Coach Cal probably was the most... Uh, how do I explain this? I mean, he is very, very uh, difficult to play for as far as, you know, attention to detail. I mean, he, he will take you out the game if you don't put your hand up when the guy shoots. <laughs> I mean, he is really like that. And you know what? He makes you play your best. He gets the best out of his players because of the way he coaches. He, 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 I mean, his yelling, his screaming, the way he stays on you, all game. I, I mean, I never had a coach ride me as tough as he did for that one year at Memphis. It was probably the toughest uh, year of basketball in my life. Uh, and I wouldn't trade it for nothing because I enjoyed it. I didn't back down from his, you know, down talking me or, 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 you know, him coaching me up, even coaching me up and saying, you know, Rob, do this great job, do this better. You know, I, I, I knew coming into that, it wasn't going to be easy. I mean, you said the list of players, this is the caliber of guys he's used to. So you have to raise your level of play or you won't play. And it's just that simple. I mean, there were times I'll come in a game and if I did something wrong, 
bam, I'm out. I mean, I'm in the game for two minutes, you know, but that's just the way he coached, you know. And the one thing I will say about Coach Cal is he holds his great players accountable, you know. You know, DeMarcus Cousins, no. Tyreek Evans, you know, the John Walls. He's going to hold them dudes accountable. He ain't that coach that ain't going to not say nothing to them. He's going to say something to them too. And that's why I got nothing but much respect for Coach Cal. Yeah, you know, he just had – I missed a big one, actually. He just had Derrick Rose the year prior to you, to you coming there, right? He had Derrick Rose yes, there. Yeah. Yep. So, so let me ask you this. Uh, what do you think the, was the number one thing that Coach Cal was able to get out of you that no – that's not a knock on your other coaches, by the way, but what's one thing right. that he was able to get out of your game that the other coaches weren't able to? Ah, man, he just he – just, he, just, he built up my kahunas, man. He built up my confidence, <laughs> man. He just made he just made you feel like, look, I'm a big dog, man. I'm here. Everybody that everybody that I come across wants to be in your position, and that's a fact. Everybody we came across, they're like, oh, you at Memphis? We coming to kill you. You're at one of the best schools. You're playing for one of the best coaches. We coming to kill you. I'm better than you. You shouldn't be here. And it, we took that into every game. Every game was a dogfight. Every game was a sellout because they wanted to see us play. They wanted to see us lose. Like, you, you don't understand walking into a gym, people – I mean, we had thousands of people waiting before the games just to talk mess to us because they wanted us to lose so bad. When I was at Memphis, we had a 130-game winning streak in Conference USA. I think it was like – and don't quote me on that. I don't know the exact numbers, but I know it was a lot. It was like they won 100 games in a row. I was just there to keep the winning streak, you know, going. With. I didn't want to be a part of one of the guys that lost it. You know what I'm saying? So let me ask you this. I know uh, after that long journey to get there, uh, yeah. you know, it, 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 it had to feel even better. So talk to me about this. Just what was just the, I mean, whether it was, you know, a good game, bad game, it doesn't matter. I mean, how, how did yes. it feel though? Uh, you know, I mean, what was the actual feeling stepping on the court for your first D1 basketball game? Oh, at the forum was crazy because the floors, you know, it's off, it's elevated off the ground. The the lights are bright. The popcorn, you can smell the popcorn. All eyes on you. Uh, Twenty thousand people. You you know you you know. And, and again, social media wasn't that crazy back then. I couldn't only imagine playing now. It's tough. You do anything wrong, they're gonna be talking about you crazy. You know. Yeah. Um. But no, nah, just just you know, you had to. I had to come ready to play. Period. You know, all of us, if we stepped on that floor, we wanted to dominate. And we did. We beat Cats by 30. We beat Cats by 40. When, you know, we were really, really good. I think that year we, you know, we, we came into the season top five in the nation. And we finished top five in the nation. We didn't win. We didn't win it. But we, everybody had us the favorites. We ended up losing to um, Missouri in the Sweet 16. They, they caught us early in the first half and kind of flustered us. And, and we couldn't recover from that. But we was a better team. They know that. And I hope one of them dudes listen to this. They know we was better. <laughs> we shouldn't have lost that game. <laughs> yeah. And let me ask you this. Uh, you know, you, 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 got, you had a great teammate in Tyreek Evans. How was it playing with him, you know, who, you know, you know has uh, had a 10-plus year NBA career, was rookie of the year with the Kings. You know, how was it playing with Tyreek? Hey, Rick, my dog, man. Rick, uh, we was roommates at Memphis, so I, I oh, was wow. really close. I probably was more close with Rick than uh, anybody else because me and Rick was roommates. I saw his face every day. I smelt him <laughs> every day. <laughs> you know, but Rick was my dog, man. And uh, Rick was just special, man. I, I never forget. I tell people all the time, when Rick first came to Memphis, man, it was like a grown man walked in the gym. It was like, it was like, it was like this man's arms were so long. And he was just built like a grown man. And we like, okay, man. 
we 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 see why this dude is so heralded. He's like you know one of the top guards in the country. And uh, I'll never forget the first time we played pickup because we do pickup. I mean, we would have guys come in, in the gym and play pickup by you know all types of NBA players. But I never forget the first time Reek came. Reek came, man. He put on the show, and from that day, we knew Reek was the alpha dog. We knew Reek was the guy that was going to be the guy, you know, the leading scorer, you know. And that's the thing about basketball. You know them alphas. You know those alpha yeah. dogs. You know what I mean? You yeah. could tell he just could do everything on the court. He had his way with anything he wanted to do. He could do, and you know, he was he was just he was really really good, man. Especially as a freshman. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, man. He's carry and he carried that on. Like I said, even right now, you know, to his playing career. I know he's he's uh, serving some time out right now. Yeah, he's but ready he, to make this. Reek about to make this this comeback. That's what Reek's about to do. He's about to make this comeback and get on the NBA team. And uh, you know, he's got he got many good years left in his career. Absolutely, man. I, I agree, hundred percent. Talk to me about March Madness, man. Talk to me about the experience. You know, March Madness, one of the biggest sporting events in yep. sports. Talk to me about the, playing the NCAA t- t- tournament. Talk to me about your record-setting uh, game. You, you know I was going to ask you about yeah. it. So uh, how, how was that feeling? Uh, well, that game was crazy. Uh, I wasn't expecting to play that much that game, honestly. You know, when, when, the, you know, when, when the coach when – the, when the game gets tight, coach only goes to seven, eight guys, you know. And I was always around that seven, eight, you know. Uh, the guy that started in front of me, Donnell Mack, you know, you know, he was splish, I was splash. We, 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 were, <laughs> we were a tandem. You know, so I wished him nothing but success. He was great. He was a great defender for us. Um, I remember that game, you know, like it was yesterday. He, you know, he wasn't playing the best, his best game. Uh, coach put me in the game. You know, they usually put me in to be a spacer shooter. Uh, Northridge was playing a lot of zone that game. And, you know, uh, that, that was the game where I made my first three, four shots. And, and I, I felt like my teammates started looking for me after that. They were like, okay, Rob's hot right now. And then it went from three shots in a row. Then I made like six in a row. And after that, they was like, look, we got to get this dude the ball. He on fire right now. So that was just one of those games where it was just playing in the rhythm. Coach let me play. Um, you, know, you know, I had a good season that year. See, a lot of people, if you look at numbers, numbers don't always tell you the true story. Because, you know, when I played, I would come in and make two threes and play 15 minutes. You know, I would come in and make three threes and, you know, get hot. And I just never got much of an opportunity that first year until the tournament, you know. So back to that game is, you know, I made six shots in a row and then, you know, guys are looking for me. And I shot 50%, almost 50% from three. I got the school record uh, at Memphis to this day for a three-point percentage as well as that record of 10 threes. Um, but I just went 10 for 15. I mean, I just was making the shots that I was getting. And it was just a, it was a special game. My teammates were cheering me on 100% of the way. And... Um, I didn't even know how many threes I had uh, until I got to nine. When I got to nine, they was like, one more, one more. And that's when, if, if you go back and look, <laughs> they were yeah. like, look, one more. That's the one I just got it, and I fired it up quick. And, you know, I thank God to this day that it went in because it just – 10 looks better than nine. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, but I, I, like, I like what you said there. You know, yeah, statistically, if you look it up, you average just a little less than six points a game. Uh, right. But, but it's all about maximizing your time, you know, and that's a, that's a loaded team. You're playing for one of the top schools. And, right. and you – instead of, you know, being defiant, you just were willing to play your position knowing that, you know, your time was going to come. But, but right. what I do like is, you know, uh, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. And that's a perfect example of what happened in the NCAA right. tournament. You, you, you were ready and, and yep. you were that good teammate. So I, 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 
I'm hoping these players are hearing that. So, uh, you know, you had the splash, you had the splash. And the that record that, still stands to this day. That record <laughs> still stands to this day. <laughs> I, I, I'm holding like, on. That's the last little memory <laughs> I got. <laughs> no, you know? but I like, I, but I like the fact that you, you weren't, you weren't someone that was bitter, you know, on the bench, you know, you right. were, you were cheering your team on and knew that, you know, cause you always got to, I always tell people you got to cheer people on and really start falling in love in, in, in you know, uh, in the you know, process, in the know? process, in the process, right. but no, but also you want to cheer people on the same way that you want to be cheered on. You know, you got to, you got to right, right. you, you really you know, start celebrating other people's success. Cause that's when, you know, it comes to you. I, I don't know, you know, it's something out there that the Lord has put upon me when it comes to, you know, when I start, when me personally, you know, that's what just resonated with me is when, when, when I started, you know, start, cause there was a time where I was envious when I saw certain people not having, you know, stuff, people having that I didn't have, or right. they had success that I didn't have. Once I let that go and just really, you know, started celebrating their achievements for what they were, you know, and really celebrate right. with them, it comes full circle. You know, and that, yeah. and, and I, and I really like that what you said there when it comes to you know you being that great teammate. And then guess what? You know, when when you're when you're it was your time to go in and it was your time to perform. You were already yeah. ready, and that, and that's yeah, why yeah. you were able out there. And, and, and with Coach Cal, you only gonna get one time. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> so you, hey, look, <laughs> hey, oh, if I missed a shot, he would have took me out. <laughs> so you had, you had you had no choice there. You had no. I choice. had no choice there. So, I had to score ten threes for the man to play me, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there you go. Hey, that tells you how tough he is, man. You you had to break a record to get in the game. I like that, man. So talk, you know? hey, so talk to me. So your your uh, your time at Memphis ends. You know, uh, like you had you had mentioned, you you went there as a sophomore. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, th this was kind of a you know. I played for Josh Pastor in that second yeah. year. That yeah. that uh, that second year, I played for Josh Pastor. Coach Cal had left. We knew he was leaving. He had a meeting with us and was like, uh, "My dream job opened up. I'm thinking about taking it." When he said dream job, I was like, "He gone." So I knew he was going to Kentucky, which is it fits him. You know, it, you know, he needs to be at that super ultra big program because that's Cal. Cal did everything rock star, man. We, we had police escorts out of the city. We took private jets, not private jets. I mean, we took private charters. I mean, we, <laughs> we did, we did five-star hotels with Cal. And this is true story. Cal made you feel like a pro and that's how he runs his system. You are a pro. So you need to act like one. We're not going to baby you. We're not going to hold your hand. We're all, there, there's top 10 guys in the nation here, best basketball players in the planet. If you don't get your stuff together, you see ya. We'll get another guy over here, you know, just like that, you know? And, and, and the thing about Coach Cal is he doesn't have to go to play. Players come to him. Coaches come to him. Hey, I want this guy to go to you because he, he, he's getting guys one and done. He's getting guys out in a year, you know? He's getting guys hey, very, very, hey, very few coaches, uh, you know, take a one five-star recruit for another five-star recruit. Very few coaches have that, <laughs> have, have that problem, man. So, yeah. here, so, so I'm going to let you take this one. So from Memphis, from, you know, from your last game at Memphis to, yep. uh, you know, you starting your you know, overseas career, take me okay. through the steps of that whole process. So uh, my last game at Memphis we played, uh, I had a meeting with Coach Josh Pastner. He calls me in the office. He says, hey, Rob, look here, man, you're a little older. I think I was, and I'm going to be honest with my real ages. I think I was like 22 years old and I was going to be uh, income. Uh, it was going to be my senior year. I was like 22 in college. You normally, I, I mean, I think I might've been 22 or 23. I was a little older. Right. So like when you're older, it's like, you got to be more mature and everything. So coach comes to me, he says, Hey, we got the number one shooting guard in the nation coming Rob, by the name of Will Barton. You know, you know, Will Barton plays with different nuggets. Absolutely. He says, Rob, 
And this, I started all that year, uh, that second year, I started all that second year. I averaged, I think, maybe like 12 points a game or 11 points a game. Uh, we went to the NIT. We didn't have a good year. Uh, our star was Ellie, Ellie Williams, played in the NBA, a great player. Uh, but back to what I was saying, um, yeah, I was going to go, you know, he called me in the office and was like, hey, we got the number one player coming. What you going to do? <laughs> Let me just sum it up for you as nice as Lee yeah. I can say. Hey, yeah, we got the got best it. player coming. What the hell you going to do, man? <laughs> you want to play? Your minute's going down, bro. And I'm like, seriously, coach? My senior year, I'm trying to go to the league. Like, I'm right, I'm right there. Like, I'm, like, I could get to the league. I could be a second-round draft pick. You know what I mean? I'm not saying I was going to be a lottery or first-round pick. I could get drafted in the second round, you know? So I decided to transfer. And I was going to be a grad student that year. I had another year of eligibility because I had did all my classes, remember? So I was eligible to transfer to any school and not sit out. Here comes Rick Patino. Rob, you got to come, come back. We want you. We want you to play here. You'll start right away. You'll come here and start. Just you exactly what we missing for this next season. I was going to play with Peyton Silva. Uh, uh, damn, I can't remember who else was on that team. But we had another good team, and I was excited about coming. So I committed. <sighs> Memphis, at the time, we were kind of was beefing. I needed a book to pass this class to be eligible for my grad student. I needed a book to pass this uh, sports class. It was very difficult without the book. It was an online class. Long story short, I don't pass the class. I never got the book. I never passed the class. I failed it. I can't go to Louisville because I didn't pass the class. So mm. Louisville's devastated. I'm devastated. My peoples are devastated. Dang, not again. Again, how many times is it going to keep happening to you? You, keep, you make plans and then changes. Um, so I couldn't go to Louisville. So I had to start my pro career. My first stop, I went. I got a contract to go play in Australia, down under. I uh, went down under to go play in Australia. Played in the um, Seabull League in Australia, which was great for me for my first year. I killed it out there. I, probably, I mean, I was probably averaging like 25, 26. Um, it was, it was fun to play there for my first stop because everybody spoke English. It wasn't, that diff, it wasn't a difficult transition for me. And uh, I like Australia. Australia, Australia was, is beautiful, man. Yeah, absolutely. Australia is so beautiful. Yeah, oh, Australia man. is beautiful. I can't wait to go back to Australia. Uh, Melbourne, I was right by Melbourne. Uh, so it was definitely a great first stop for me. And, and that's when my pro career started. I know you played uh, overseas uh, for, was for eight years, correct? Was it eight years, seven years, eight years? I played for, I played for uh, eight seasons, but I played for seven full years. I played gotcha. like a half a season somewhere. So I, we could just say seven seasons, seven, seven years. Seasons. So let me ask yeah. you this. Out of, out of uh, you know, all the countries you played in, uh, you know, uh, which country was your favorite out of all the countries? Israel. Israel. Israel's wow. like my, Israel's like Miami, man. I, I was living in Tel Aviv. <laughs> uh, my place was by the water. I mean, you can't go wrong with Israel. It's very beautiful. It's not what people think it is. Everybody has a negative perspective of Israel. It's 100% nothing like how you think it is. Um, I just love it there, man. I love their values. I love having uh, Shabbat dinner. I, they do Shabbat dinner every Fridays. So as a basketball player, we would get that day off. So we got every <laughs> Friday off, which was love. We, uh, me and my couple of friends of mine that played out there, we would usually go to the beach, man, and just soak up the sun. And just think about life, man, and do a lot of reflecting and just be thankful to be there and be able to, you know, make a living and play basketball and follow our dreams. And it was uh, – I played there for two years. I, I wouldn't take it for nothing. So, I mean, that was the – that was my most favorite place playing. 
how was it adjusting to the different cultures at, at each stop? I mean, how, how was that? Like, how did that, you know, and, you know, was there any specific country that it was, it was difficult to adjust to their culture? Uh, well, it, Israel was like, uh, they, most people know English because the funny thing about Israel, they watch movies in English and they have subtitles in their language. So I'm laughing the whole time when I'm watching a movie because I understand it. They got to kind of <laughs> read it and understand it later. So it was kind of funny. Um, but now, nah, uh, I mean, again, it was just, there was many, many places, man. I would say Spain was difficult because they don't really speak English in Spain. Uh, so it was like, I had to talk like this, please help me. Can you like, I would have to talk like very, 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 very slow, you know? Uh, yeah. And even talking like that, they wouldn't understand me because you know, they say you got a little slang in the way you talk. So, um, that was difficult. France was very difficult. Oh, that might be, that's another one. France was very difficult because they don't speak English. You know, a lot of people don't speak English there. Uh, so I had to have Google translate at, at, at like a must. It was a must to have that out there to be able to talk to people, uh, driving as well. I would have to drive vehicles and have to read like in their language. I couldn't even understand, you know, imagine trying to like navigate somewhere. Coach says, Hey, meet, meet us here. It's an hour away. And I got to get there for the game or something like that. Cause the thing about Israel was the reason, another reason why I love it. Everything is close. You can have a game 40 minutes away. So you're back home that night like you have a game you can go back to your house and go back and go to sleep you know you don't have to be on a plane or you don't have to be on a bus ride for 10 hours everything is close in israel that's why a lot of americans want to play there no i mean that's one thing that people don't realize you know uh, you know the game of basketball is beautiful because the fact that you know nba is not the end all you know there's many ways anytime you could get paid to play the game of, of basketball and be a professional you know that's yeah. a success uh, but yep. it, but it's more than basketball. You gotta get adapted to the cultures, just the way of life, oh, the way yeah. of living. You know, like say yep. driving. You know, there's there's different aspects of it. That's why I would yep. like to ask you know people that went you know overseas. At any time during your you know seven plus years playing overseas, did you get any opportunities at all when it comes to tryouts for any NBA teams? No, I did not. I got no trials for NBA team. I was actually a little shocked. I didn't even get a trial with the Kings. I was that was one thing that kind of really stuck with me to this day. Is like really. You can't even give me a workout, the Kings. Like, and I, and I don't even want to, you know, talk down about the Kings, but it was like, I went to a heritage school. I played with the best players in the nation. I deserve a workout at, at my home city, you know, where I, my blood, sweat, and tears been. I can't get a workout, but I think it, it, it goes more into politics, too. I'm a local guy. They know a lot more information about me, um, and that's, that, that could have stopped me from getting that workout. But, again, you know, everything happens for a reason. I can't. I can't complain about it. My son, my son will have everything I, I did not have in the game of basketball. And, and I, will, I will help him achieve anything I didn't achieve. That is my life dream. So. No, listen, man, you had a, you know, you had a phenomenal career, you know, seven plus years, you know, eight, eight countries, got paid to play the game of basketball. Didn't just play, I mean, perform, you know, very high at a, at a high level at each stop. So yep. uh, by, by, by no means, you know, um, like I said, I, I get every kid wants to play NBA, but, you know, you, you take the number of players that play basketball uh, and how many actually make the NBA. It's a very low percentage. Uh, yeah. But guess what? It's also a low percentage of you playing professionally. And you could actually say you play professional basketball. So when your son, you know, I know the NBA is the goal for him, but if he has questions on what it takes to be a professional basketball player, you'll be able to answer those questions because yeah. you, you lived it, you did it. Yeah. So yeah. let's go ahead and pivot from there, actually. Uh, so, you, you know, your playing days are winding down and you develop this passion or maybe something you could talk about that you, you had, you know, 
your whole life, but you, yeah. you, disco- you rediscovered or discovered this passion for training, which has developed into your career after your playing days. Um, yep. You know, how did that all start? Well, I mean, at a point in time in my life, I was actually down. I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Can you imagine you're on your profession, you're on the top of your game, you're making great money, you're able to support your family, you're able to provide, do what you have to do as a man uh, to put food on the table. And then all of a sudden, those contracts that you were getting stopped. I mean, the contracts that I started to getting in my seventh year were so low, it was disrespectful to me. Like, I would never go play for that. Are you serious? Like, it, it, it was disrespectful. And it was, it, again, like I said, it was depressing. It was like, okay, I obviously don't want to go back overseas because I'm not going to play for that. And see, a lot of guys want to go play just to say they play. They don't, you know, of course you have to provide them, you know, and make a living for your family, it, you know, as the man, you know. But in today's society, in today's age, with all social media, a lot of guys rather just have that look, oh, okay, I played here, but you know, you were playing there and you were making less money you make at McDonald's. <laughs> you know? You would <laughs> Yeah. You, you would you would you go there and play there for McDonald's money? You know, just to have a look that you are a professional overseas basketball player, you know, and a lot of these guys would do that, and that's what stopped my dream. It was like, I was like, oh, heck no, I ain't doing that. You know, you're not going to disrespect me. And, 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 you know, I'm not going to go take that just because this is what the only thing you want to offer me, you know. So at that point, I had to figure out what I wanted to do next. I, I took a drive down to Stockton, which is like 30 minutes from Sacramento to go see a friend of mine by the name of Damon Stoudemire, who coaches at University of Pacific. And I tried to get a job with him. I'm like, look, man, I'm the best shooter on the, on the West Coast. <laughs> not to be too cocky but I'm the best I'm the best I, I can teach any kid how to shoot the basketball I can help them there's a you know there's a lot of methods that you can that I've learned that I've been passed down to me I can make anybody a better shooter um so I came to him with that and you know he just was telling you know we had a great conversation and he he said something to me that stuck with me he would say Rob grab a bunch of kids keep them together work with them work them out stay around the game this is what I did he was like, when I started coaching, when I first started coaching, I did it for free. I paid my own mm. way. And I said to myself, wow, people don't know that type of story. They only see the success stories. They don't see the grind before that. They don't know he had to pay his own way that cost him thousands of dollars out of his own pocket. You know, that's what he had to do to get in that position. People don't know what people have to do to get in that certain position that they are in their life. You know, and that's why stories like this should be told because, you know, I had to do a lot to even get to college, to even, to even say I was a professional basketball player. Because without me doing those steps, I would have never been one, you know? So I'm thankful for that, that True. God had me do that journey because this is everything I needed, you know? Um, but where was I, man? Uh, where well, was it, I? It, it, actually, you know what? Then let, me, it, let me interject real quick. And also, that, that's actually uh, interesting to hear because coming from someone like Damon Stoudemire who, you know, paid his own way because, you know, Damon – you know, star Arizona, former NBA player, you know, millionaire, millionaire, and, you know, for him to be humble enough to, you know, obviously, you know, do that on his own, you know, yeah. that tells you something right there. Yeah. So you took that. So, so from that, you took that type of advice and uh, you know, so, so training. So I took that advice and, you know, when I started, I, I, I made some flyers, you know, in my community and I was like, you know what, I, I, I really want to start, you know, grab some kids and start training some kids because obviously I have a son who is four years old and I want to train him as well. So when Damon told me that, 
that that whole drive back home, I'm thinking about, man, he's right. I should grab and start training, uh, you know, and, and include my son in this. Like, you know, have him grow up around training every single day. If a kid is in the gym six days a week, there is no way possible he won't be a decent basketball player. I can't say great. I can't say – because he's – He's in there more than – it's like a guy playing an instrument. If this guy plays this instrument for 12 hours a day and this other guy's doing this instrument for three hours a day, who's going to be better? I guarantee you the guy that practices 12 hours a day on that instrument is better. And that's how it is with basketball. It's a craft. It's working on your game. So I basically wanted to do something with my son to keep him in the gym every day. So I grabbed a few kids. I started off with maybe two. I mean, I remember I put flyers out and – I would go to CYBL games and pass them out to kids. Like, look, yeah, I'm doing this. Yeah, this is me. I have to do this. You know, and, and meanwhile, let me paint this picture for you. I'm retired. I don't have to do this. You know, I've been blessed, you know, fortunate that I'm in a great situation where, you know, I don't have to go out and go get a job and go work. And, you know, I've, I've retired. I made some good financial decisions, you know, and I don't have to go do this. This is what I want to do. This is what I'm choosing to do, you know. And um, I started with two kids, and next thing you know it, it just, it just kept growing. You know, we just kept building, and, you know, two kids, five kids, seven kids, then 20 kids in the class. Then I had to start doing a schedule. Like, I couldn't even just do it, like, for fun anymore. Like, oh, I can't just have – you know what I mean? I couldn't even just take a few kids out there. Let's, let's start doing a schedule with this, and let's get this thing going because all the parents are loving, you know, real basketball training, you know, a guy teaching their kids stuff that they don't have time to learn. The biggest problem I have in today's basketball is that they're suffocating these kids with so much stuff. They don't have time to practice on the little stuff. Like, like LeBron James said it with AAU, it's suffocating. You, gotta, you got four games in a day. Then you got you to do this. You got to do that. But there's no practicing going on in there. <laughs> you only practice no, one no, time. No, you're right. You're you're <clears throat> no. So so that that's then from there obviously getting the kids locally here, CYBO yep. you know, one of the top uh, shout out to Mickey Hope, one of the top uh, you know, uh rec leagues out here locally, you know, more competitive yep. rec leagues, which pretty much anybody's everybody's at least started there and played a few times, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. you know, yeah, gather them all there. And and then, and then form then it came uh, you formulated and you established you know encore basketball training which which I know the yes. name of it what's the importance I, I know it's obvious for you and I talking but for the listeners out there that probably don't know you on a personal level what right. you know what, what's so important about the the of, of, of the name of the of your of your company name your your training name yeah um, well that's my son's name my son's name is encore um, I came about that name I might as well give you the story of the name I had a friend growing up by the name VJ he's Indian. His brother's name was his brother's name was Encore, but it wasn't spelled the same way. It was the Indian version. And I remember when I was a kid, I told myself, man, listen, if I ever have a son, his name will be Encore. Because with a name like that, you better be something, son. <laughs> <laughs> no, hey, 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 he, hey, he's a stud, good-looking kid, too, man. So, uh, he, I mean, he, he has a guaranteed career as a model, that's for sure, man. Good-looking kid. <laughs> hey, well, you know what? Hey, whatever he want to do, I'm going to back him, but, you know, I did that to put a lot of pressure on him as well. You know, he knows that. And at some point in his life, he either going to say, dad, why did you do that? Or he's going to say, dad, I'm thankful that you, you, you made me have to live up to this pressure. You made me have to feel some type of pressure because 
when you get a guy walking in the gym and his name is Encore, you better be a dog. That's if different. You get a guy that's different. <laughs> yeah, that's your different. Your name is Encore, and you better be a dog. <laughs> I told, I tell my son every day, you better work on your game. So my son is, my son is practicing his dribbling every single day. He doesn't take a day off, and I believe, you know, through this basketball training, through Encore basketball training, which, again, he's in there with me as well. I have him training with eight year olds. He's only four. You know, he's out there struggling. But again, he'll at some point in, in his life, he'll look back and say, man, I'm so glad I did that. You know, I'm so glad I was training at four because these kids are really in the gym so much earlier now. They're so much more skilled than what we saw growing up 10 years ago, 15 years ago. These kids are so skilled now. They could do everything. And you got you to gotta get in the gym now. You got to get in the gym now. If you got a kid that's four or five, at least introduce them to the game. And I ain't telling you put them through a workout for an hour. Get them working on details, fundamentals. That's a, what. That's that's exactly what the kids gonna need to to be successful. So, yeah, I I agree with you, man. I'm glad that you're able to. You know, they always say ten thousand hours to, to to master a craft, and obviously he's getting a head start on, the, on those ten thousand hours. And uh, yeah, you know, I definitely look forward like look forward to seeing what Encore does with the with the, with the game of basketball and just in life in general. Talk to me about the Encore basketball training now. At this point, I know we had COVID, you know, put a halt yep. to things, but but talk to me specifically. Um, how many kids are you training? What age group? What you know? What age range are, are you uh, are you training? Or, is there any age group that you're you're focused on more than others? Uh, no, I work with kids all ages. Uh, I definitely want to mention okay. this. Uh, I just recently started working out with Gus Armstead. He took me under his wing. Shout out to Gus. And I remember I was listening to one of your other uh, podcasts, and G Gus' name came up. Gus, Gus, every podcast, man, every, every, every basketball Look, episode, you find a way to get Gus in there, man. You, you got to throw Gus, Gus in there because Gus is the godfather. <laughs> and Gus, and the thing I want to say about Gus, and I hope Gus listens to this, is Gus is the best trainer on the West Coast. Basketball trainer on the West Coast. It's not even close. If you think you can walk in Gus' shoes, you can't. Don't even attempt it. Don't even try it. The rapport he has with his players, the trust he has with his players, is, is, it, it can't be matched. You know, there's a lot of trainers out there that think they doing it and they, they doing this, doing that. The way the Gus systems, him and Coach Koch over there, shout out to Coach Koch. Those boys are running a great system and, I, and I'm thankful for them. Over this last month, they let me in there to help them out with their training. They let me soak up the game, learn. And the only way you can get better at something is learn from the best. So I told Gus that straight up. I, I said, Gus, I want to learn from the best. You are the best. I want to learn from you. And he let me do that. And I'm so thankful for Gus for letting me do that. Um, so that's one thing I wanted to throw out there first. Now, back as, as far as encore training, we train all ages, uh, third grade through 12th grade. Uh, I, I eventually want to start training college and pro players. Um, right now I train about, I would say, can, you know, a class can have from 10 kids to 25 kids. It just depends. And I'm, and we're expecting, uh, those type of numbers. Uh, due to COVID-19 or what's happened to high school basketball, no kids are going to be able to get in the gym. So they're going to need good training. They're going to need to get with a good trainer that's actually done it, you know. And, and I had this talk with you, and I want to bring it up now, now that I'm on the air, about what I want to say about this basketball trainer, right? You know, and there's this thing about gimmicks that these, that these guys – you'll see some guys that are – they'll say gimmicks and all this stuff. But I just want to ask you this question. Would you pay a guy to, to teach you something if that guy has never done it himself? Would you pay a guy 
to, to, to hook up your computer if he's never hooked up a computer before? Or would you pay a guy who's, done, who's doing this and doing that? And I'm, and I'm saying that to say this to get to the parents. When you're finding a trainer, make sure the trainer has done where you want your kid to go or where you're trying to get your kid to go. It's just that simple. It's like this. If you want your kid to go to college, get him with a guy who's played Division One at that college or, or, or at that level you want him to go to. It just only makes sense. You wouldn't want him training with a guy that hasn't even coached at high school level or hasn't even done it at this level. He's just a trainer. It just doesn't make any sense to me to do. But again, every, to each his own. We all got our own opinion. I'm, strong, I'm a strong believer in lining your kids up with somebody who's actually done it themselves, somebody that can show them the ropes, the do's and don'ts, you know, and somebody that's actually done what he's teaching in the game, you know? So, and that's just my, that's my take on basketball training. And that goes out to all the trainers. I ain't just talking locally. I'm talking about all of them because I see him on Instagram and I'm going to say his name on here. This guy, Mike Lancaster, if you're watching his, <laughs> Mike Lancaster, hey, go watch his YouTubes and you be the judge and you tell me what he's teaching. If your kid, if you want to pay for that, if you think your kid can get better, better doing that, good luck, man. <laughs> well, you know, we talked about this before too. I always told you, you know, my favorite definition of success, and I've said it plenty of times on this podcast, is find someone that has what you want and have them show you how they did it. You know, right? And that that, that kind of alludes back to what you just referred to. You know, uh, being someone like you, I mean, now that everybody's been able to hear the journey, uh, they got they got to know that you know a little bit about this game of basketball because one is this: you were consistently coveted the whole time. You know, I, yep. I mean, let's just be honest. With I mean, from a basketball perspective. These coaches, of course, if you're a great person, you know, that's a bonus, but, they're, but they recruited you, first and foremost, as a basketball player, right? First and yep, foremost. Yep. I mean, yep. we're just going to be transparent here. Yeah. And, so, and you were able to continuously get recruited over and over again, you know, by the top programs, you yep. know, and no matter all these little pit stops and roadblocks you ran into. So that just tells you the type of skill set you had, man. I mean, I, yeah. I think I think overall, I mean, you can, you you're, you're, you know you're stating facts, you know. So I blame myself for that. not making it to the NBA. You know, um, you know when you go back in time, you know if I would have spent that extra hundred thousand hours in the gym, it could have put me over the top. Or if I would have made this decision to do this, you know, I definitely had the talent to be in the NBA. I definitely had it. the way I could shoot the basketball was un you know, undeniable. I, 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 when I stepped on the court, when I shot the ball, I knew it was going in. And it, when I missed it, it was like, wow. Like, I, I would be shocked myself because that's how much shooting I was doing. One thing Coach Cal used to always do, I think it's funny that I made 10 threes, is he used to always put me on the spot and say, Rob, make 10, make 10 in a row right now. And you know what I did every time? Every time he asked me, I would make 10 in a row. Like, on, on demand. Like, hey, we could be in the middle. Of, we could be, like, having a warm-up before practice. Coach Cal come over to me and say, hey, make 10 in a row. And I would do it every single time. And I think it's just funny that I made 10 in the game. That was the bar that, was the bar that he set with me, you know? So, I mean, I, you know, again, it, it just goes back to it, man. Like, I, I believe my son will have a great opportunity and a great shot because I have the wisdom to give to him. I have the do's and don'ts to tell him, hey, man, don't go that path. It's a bad path if you go that way. I've seen, oh, I've seen every single path you can take. Let's just put it that way. And I've taken all of them. I've been to juvenile hall 18 days. I've been counted out. Oh, he will never get a scholarship. This guy's a mess up. He, I've, been, I've been that class clown. I've been that guy with straight Fs who couldn't pass a class. I've been that guy, you know, where they felt like, oh, I, my teachers made me feel like 
I was never smart enough. To, I could never do it. I've been that guy. And I use all of that to become that guy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No, man. Uh, you know, uh, you have a journey. and Everybody, it, you know, everybody has their own journey. And, you, and, you know, you just got you to love your own journey. You know, you got you to you yeah. just, uh, you know, take it for what it is, man. And I think that's what it is. I think, I think there's a lot of life lessons. There's a lot of success principles that's in your journey. I think there's a lot yeah. of things that you could, you know, uh, you know, uh, pay forward and teach others. And obviously first and foremost, you know, your son that's going to be able to learn, you know, from your journey. And when he gets old enough, he's going to be able to listen to his podcast. And, you know, and really, you know, <laughs> you know, you know, when you, when, you know, he's able to really understand that, you know, yeah. but I'm all, I also think this, and I say this in the most respectful uh, you know, way is that I think, you know, you're going to take some of the downfalls that, you know, and, and when it comes to the, you know, the academic side and what have you, and you're really yep. going to instill on him and impress upon him. He right. can make it, he can make life a lot easier for himself, you know, exactly. uh, you Great know, job. so you, you, yeah, that, right. that was an excellent point right there because you 100% right. I'm definitely going to tell him, look, don't wait to do your homework to, you know, the night before or, you know, wake up in the morning. See, I used to try to do my homework right before school. <laughs> I mean, just, just, just being not prepared enough and not taking it seriously. He would definitely get that. No question. He would definitely get that. And I, I, I'm not worried about that as far as he will be eligible. You know, my daughter gets straight A's. He will get, he will get A's and B's as well. He would get straight A's. And I'm not worried about that side. Let's of the go. Well, let me let me get let me get one more question in here, and then we're gonna uh -huh. end uh, like I always do with, with some rapid fire Q and A, like to end my shows with. So last question. Is, okay. What's what's the long term vision? What's the long term vision for encore basketball training for you? Uh, well, I got three coaches now on the on the staff, man, which I'm proud to say that that we you know we're building up to, you know, actually have different coaches. I want to say shout out to Kyle Myers, who's one of the coaches that just got on with me. He played at University of Hawaii, so. He's another guy. I want guys that's actually played Division One to have that experience, to, you know, to really pass down what they were learned and what they, you know, what they were taught and give it to these kids because these kids got to know this now. You know what I'm saying? Um, but my vision for Encore Basketball really is, you know, it's, there is no limit. There's no limit for it. It could go wherever God takes it. You know, I have goals I want to want to meet. Of course, I want to open up my own facility. Uh, I almost opened up a facility, which I thank God. And I think everything happens for a reason that a year ago, I was close to closing on a facility, uh, on a um, 6,000 square foot facility to open up my own facility and have a gym and encore basketball training. But guess what would have happened to me? I'd have got swallowed up by COVID-19, you know, and I'm so thankful that yeah, I wasn't, you know, right. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm yeah, thankful absolutely. that I wasn't able to get that because again, I mean, just, just the, the, the timing wasn't right for it. So I think the timing wasn't right. And I think, Timing is everything in life. And I think, you know, down the road, I definitely see myself having a few locations, you know, and I don't even want to give a, I don't want to give an area because I could be in LA with encore basketball training. Encore basketball training could be anywhere, you know? So I don't want to limit it to that. Um, but I definitely see a, a, a big vision for it. I, I'm, I'm super, you know, happy with the progressions that it's made. We've had two basketball camps um, now, uh, over the last few years, we've had two basketball camps. I was scheduled to have four basketball camps this summer uh, in El Grove, which they got wiped away because of COVID. But I mean, just we're building, we're, we're doing stuff to help these kids to give them a better basketball experience in the Sacramento area. And I, I feel like that's my duty to give it to them because growing up in this area, I didn't have it. I didn't have it. And I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. It wasn't, it wasn't cool. I didn't have it. All I had was myself and 24 hour fitness and, you know, maybe, maybe a couple AAU teams, but it wasn't, there wasn't no outlets to say, how do I become this? How do I aim for this goal? It was really just wing it. 
and get lucky, you know? And nowadays, these kids don't have, like your son, he don't got to wing it no more. You're going to invest everything you no. got into your son, he, and you're going to make him a good player, and then everything else, you know, is up to God. But he will have the tools because he's going to put the work in. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't, you, you're going to give him yeah. that help. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you know, I, I think that's one thing these kids are, you know, uh, a lot of them are very, you know, fortunate, blessed with. There's, there's a lot more resources around. You know, yeah, I think uh, just the way everything is set up, it's just a, it's just a totally different ball game than when it was when we were playing. But I oh, definitely look at, I, but I definitely look forward to seeing, you know, encore be- basketball training being, you know, a staple. Um, you know, I know you're getting mentored by the best and Gus. Yep. I know that obviously you, you, you've experienced, you know, what you need to experience to help develop any player, uh, develop yep. into a, a better player and help even a great player become, become the best, you know. Uh, you, right. you definitely possess those skill sets. So, I mean, I, like I said, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I plan on having my son obviously plug in with you as well. Uh, my okay. AAU organization as well. You know, I know it's something yep. that, you know, we were in, in talks with. So definitely look for, forward to, uh, you know, a partnership, you know, moving forward. But, hey, man, before I let you off the hook, man, we, I always end my shows with some rapid-fire Q&As. Uh, so, are you, uh, so some quick questions here. Just first thing that pops in your head, nothing too deep uh, before we end the show. You, you, you ready for it? You ready for yeah. it? Here we go, man. Uh, f- favorite, uh, favorite player in the NBA currently? Oh, it's LeBron. Not even close. Okay. Uh, when you were playing, your go-to move? Uh, my go-to move. Ooh, we probably between the legs twice in and out pull up. Hey, that's all you need, man. Uh, right now, <laughs> uh, on the on the way to training, on the way to training, what are you listening to? What's in your AirPods? What's in your Beats to get you hype? Oh, what I'm listening to? I'm oh, I'm playing. Uh, man, I'm playing some of that Yo Gotti. <laughs> okay, playing, okay, okay. All right, I'm playing some of that yeah. Meek. I'm playing all inspirational okay. music, man. I gotta have that motivation all day, twenty four seven, man. I like it. I can't I like listen it. to this favorite shoe of all time. Stuff these dudes listen to now, man. Oh, <laughs> I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> hey, favorite shoe of all time. Favorite shoe of all time. Favorite shoe of all time. Basketball shoe. Yes, sir. Uh, the the Nike shocks. Remember those. Vince, the Vince yes, Carter shots. Okay. Oh man, those were those. It made me feel taller. I feel like I jump higher. They were soft. Love those shoes. Okay, here, uh, two more. Toughest player you've ever personally played against? Personally played against? It could even be a teammate. I, you know what? I can't disrespect no players. All of them, dogs. I played against dogs. <laughs> I would be disrespecting okay. too many dogs out there, and I, I I pay homage to dogs, so I can't say all of them. Okay, I like that. I like that. And, and and very last question, man. Number one advice you have for anyone that's looking to take this game of basketball and, and make it a professional career. First and foremost, obviously, you know, the, the number one advice that's going to help them get to the college level and then from there to the professional level. Number watch, one advice. Watch your team. Watch your team around you, man. Build with guys like-minded, you know. Build with people that are help you, uh, you know, achieve your goal. Don't build with guys that show up when your goal is getting closer. You know what I'm saying? Don't build with guys when your goal is done already. And, you know, they, they reaping the benefits when you put all the work in. Here they come showing up. That's one thing I want to tell these young kids. Watch people, man. And, you know, keep, your good, keep a good circle around you, man, because your circle really can be your downfall, you know? And uh, that's it, man. Get a good trainer, man. <laughs> I, I like it. I like it. Well, Rob, man, I, I, I appreciate you, man. I, I know people have been asking me for a while to get you on the pod and, uh, you know, because they wanted to hear the story. And, you know, I wanted you to be able to, obviously, <laughs> hey, deliver oh, the story. I appreciate you. Mouth, man. Go ahead. I appreciate you. Now, you too, got man. it, man. You know what? 
And you know I kept a real PG-13 for here, man. We got to do this again. <laughs> you Now nah, you got it, man. Hey, listen, <laughs> we definitely appreciate you coming on. For the rest of you guys out there, all the listeners out there, continue having a blessed day. Thank you for joining me for another Straight Talk with Strahan. Y'all have a great day. God bless. Thanks for tuning in to another Straight Talk with Strahan Podcast. If you haven't done so already, click the subscribe button, and we will catch you on the next episode.